Hello podcast listeners, welcome to Stay Humble Podcast. Before listening to this episode, I should warn you, this podcast does contain topics of suicide, depression and alcohol related conversation and if you have young children with you in the car, I would choose a different Stay Humble episode. Today's guest, Joe Kent, is the Suicide Prevention Program Lead for Humber Coast and Vale Health. In this episode, we discuss responsible reporting from all media I share with Joe my complaint and response from the BBC about the syndicate episode filmed in the local area. We talk about the effects COVID, lockdowns and further have had on people's mental health. Finally, Joe shares the free support programmes in place to help people in the Humber, Coast and Vale area. Now it's time to stay humble with Joe Kent. Welcome to Stay Humble Podcast, Joe Kent. How are you feeling today? Um, if I'm really honest, David, I'm, it's thank goodness it's Friday. The sun's out. It's beautiful. Um, so I'm ready to enjoy the weekend. I don't blame you. And I'll let, let you get back uh, to enjoy that shortly. Um, and we've obviously been trying to arrange this podcast for a number of months. And I understand it's been um, a very difficult time at the moment during the last sort of 12 months. It's been difficult in terms of lockdowns and, and people obviously with furloughs and, and the COVID situation. I can't imagine how difficult the last few weeks have been for yourself in your role as a suicide prevention lead in the Humber Coast and Vale Health Care part- Partnership. It's, it's been um, it's been challenging um, and we've sort of been working frantically behind the scenes to try and um, put things in place um, and to um, kind of point people in the direction for um, different services. Um, so it has been really busy. And as you rightly said, it's it's amongst everything else that's going on in terms of COVID. Um, and, you know, people sort of, everybody's got a different reaction, haven't they, for, for has been kind of been released, if you like. Um, and everybody feels differently about it. And I think for some people, there's a real panic. Um, for other people, they just can't wait to have something near a normality. Um, so I think there's lots of things going on for different people, um, more than we've ever seen before. And it's really out there, isn't it? And everybody's kind mm. of expressing how the feelings a lot more as well. Yeah, and obviously um, touching on recent news and, and stuff of, of a local newspaper sharing information regarding a number of suicides in the local area. But the biggest concern to me when I looked at this article that was posted was the fact there was no support lines, no websites for support with people that might have been at the time suffering with depression or anxiety or anything, feeling them maybe thoughts. There was nothing there to to help. And I wondered what your thoughts were in terms of not providing that information. Um, Of course, that's not the right thing to do. Um, And there is Samaritan's guidance um, for the media um, and most most channels that are going to um, be putting those kind of stories out there are aware of those um, guidelines um, and repeatedly get sent them. So... Um, it, it should always be there at the end of a story um, to provide that extra support to people. Like you said, that may be feeling vulnerable and find stories difficult to read. They should then have some be able to follow up with that and be able to ring the, the likes of the Samaritans for some support and help. Mm, I, I agree, definitely. And I know I'm um, hearing from another podcast recently where they said, like, because 
obviously them helplines haven't paid for the advertising. That's why the paper maybe wouldn't have gone ahead with that. I mean, that's just an opinion of someone, but I guess it's just it's just wrong that there's not using that as a, an opportunity there to, to support others at this difficult time would be much more appropriate, I'd imagine. Absolutely. And I think, you know, then we just need to keep reminding um, the media that it is their responsibility um, and that they need to work within the Samaritans media guidelines mm-hmm. to keep everybody as safe as we possibly can do. Yeah. And I know yourself haven't seen this, but obviously there's a program that's just aired on national TV called The Syndicate. And, and one of the scenes they've used the local area to, to fake a death, which personally offend, upset me at the time and, and everything like that was was just totally wrong and I've gone to the extent of complaining and 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 telling them about like how I felt it was it, it sort of affects you know people's friends and families and, and stuff like that who may have dealt with suicide which I thought was totally insensitive and, and the way it was portrayed was very jerkial which I'm not happy about and and I shared that and, and in terms of what was fed back to me in the email it basically said that it's it is however ultimately within our editorial guidance to uphold the right of a program makers to implement elements of dramatic license in order to tell interesting compelling fictional stories what are your thoughts on that? I just think, like, as you said, it is just so insensitive, isn't it? I haven't actually seen it. I did get informed about it. Um, but to be honest, I couldn't cope with watching it at the time because uh, there was so much else going on. Um, it wasn't something that, that I've actually sat down and watched. But it again, it, it just feels sometimes, doesn't it, that, um, that sometimes the media might will do anything for a click um and and to get their rates up um and that doesn't sit morally right for for individuals does it so i can no. i think you know i've got to sort of commend you in the fact that you've actually gone there and you put yourself out there and you were to was it did you say it was the bbc it was it was on the bbc as well yeah that, that you've actually wrote to them expressing your concern um, and your worries around that. So, you know, that's really well done to you for, for actually doing that. Um, but it, it's just, it, it, it's poor reporting and insensitive, isn't it? At a time where people are really affected and impacted, um, you know, in terms of mental health, we know that there's been an increase in people coming forward to services um, during COVID. So it just feels really insensitive. Yeah, like I say, our mutual friend was down near the Humber Rescue at the time of recording and stuff like that, and obviously knew there was TV crews down there, but there was no knowledge of what they were actually recording or what they were trying to portray. So obviously, for for people like him, for them and that to 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 hear that's what they were actually delivering was quite insensitive to the to the nature of of their job in terms of what they they put up with on a daily basis. I think it was really um, just ill taste and and not. I would not see that as entertainment. Absolutely not. And, um, you know, sort of thinking about the points that you've just made, um, wouldn't it have been wonderful if they'd have actually talked to Humber Rescue um, about what they were filming and Humber Rescue said, would you like to come around and just follow us for a day um, and and see what that feels like? Um, And perhaps we might have had a different outcome. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it would have um, given a, a, a different viewpoint as well to see what you know they'd see on a day to day, or just just know what they they have to deal with. It's, like I say, I'd, I'd hope that more people um, 
obviously did the same thing as me in terms of complaining and hopefully like it would maybe address like the, the seriousness of what is going on at the moment. Um, and obviously it, it links into sort of the difficult 12 months of COVID and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's not just the only sort of element of concern that I've got. I don't know if you're aware of sort of this. I looked up the stats recently about alcohol poisoning in the country okay. and alcohol, alcohol poisoning deaths was the highest reported since the stats came out in 2001. I, I know, obviously, it pretty much can link to the fact... I mean, that's not just a, a regional, that is a national thing. And obviously, that's kind of linked to lockdown and COVID and stuff like that. So that's quite a, a concerning thing for me as well in terms of you know prevention of things, in terms of if people are turning to, to alcohol and stuff, in terms of like alcohol abuse or poisoning. You know, it's quite a, a, quite a sad fact, unfortunately, that that's happened in the last year. Yeah, and um, I guess when we think back, although it feels such a long time ago now, doesn't it, yeah. since we, we first started in lockdown, but I guess when we think back to it, um, I, I suppose for, um, especially in our region, we didn't have many cases um, where people were, were, were dying of COVID, thank goodness, at that at that time. Um, the weather was beautiful, People would be a lot of people were furloughed and they were doing jobs in the garden and the good weather as always encourages us to, to maybe start a little bit earlier than we normally would on the alcohol yeah. um, but definitely it's um, it has been a real concern um, that the alcohol intake has increased um, and I think you know um, some people have really monitored what they drink and they've really pulled back from drinking, but there's others no who use that as a way of coping. Um, and when you're sort of locked in your house under these kind of pressures constantly, um, it, it's really difficult. And um, I think, you know, that probably business owners and stuff have a duty of, of you know, to, to be able to be mindful of that and to be observant of their employees. Um, and I know that there's um, that there are some... Um, groups out there that, that support and train businesses um, in terms of looking at signs and symptoms and how to support staff because again if somebody's got an alcohol related issue um, it could mean that they're then taking time off sick from work which again all you know all adds to the, the business owner and, and their outgoings so it's a really you know so it's not just from the, the, the kind of the moral stance of, of looking after the welfare of your employees but also that kind of financial aspect of it as well um i've not seen any recent figures but there's definitely lots of concerns around alcohol and and what the outcome you know what we're going to be seeing when people come you know go back into society a lot more than they are doing currently yeah do you feel um sort of in that period could shops or businesses done more to support been supportive in terms of like you know like in terms of how much alcohol was sold during that period do you think the businesses could have maybe done more in terms of protecting people in terms of like I like you mentioned there obviously some people where they were able to where businesses were able to sort of engage with the staff I know from our region quite a lot of people are quite in an industrial sort of jobs where they weren't even in for six months so the likelihood of them being checked in by management or just anyone directors or something was probably very minimal so they don't know what the welfare of their staff was that's a really good point actually that you that you raised and i'm sure there are you know there there are kind of things that shops could have done but it's really difficult isn't it because first of all it always takes a little while for us to understand what's happening yeah so you know we're already months in front before we start getting any kind of figures 
which is one of the one of the difficulties. And then I guess it's how do you monitor it? You know, so I guess I, I could um I could go to the Aldi and, and get some wine. I suppose they could have limited the amount of wine that people could buy. Um, but I'm not sure how realistic that is and how mm. easy that is to do as well. Um, I think it's a really, really difficult thing to monitor. Um, and I guess, again, that's just about directing people, isn't it, to services. So, you know, if, if you think that you're drinking too much and if you think that you need some support, let's let's direct you to get some support around that. Yeah, um, I've got kind of a question later on, which is going to feed into that. Um, but I'll I'll leave that for a bit later. But um, one of the things I wanted to just touch on here is, um, like I've mentioned to you, is about a book called Lost Connections by Johan Harry. I, I know that you've not maybe read this book yet, but it's about undercovering sort of the real causes of depressions. And one of the quotes from it is about um, if people don't have friends and don't have supportive partners, your chances of developing depression can increase by up to 75%. Now, obviously, during lockdowns and stuff like that, this was very relevant in terms of loneliness. Been is now probably one of the more worrying things, as well as suicide and and, and other things. Um, and I just wondered what your take is in terms of this, you know, of loneliness during that time. Um, I think it is one of the most difficult things, isn't it, to feel to feel lonely um, and mm. to be isolated. I think what happened certainly at the beginning was there was lots of rallying around. There was a lot of a communi- community spirit yeah, there was. that was out there. And I think that was just absolutely, I mean, that needs applauding. It was just amazing. The amount of people that, that went out there to try and reach out to their communities in rural areas and cities was just absolutely fantastic. Um, and I know the volunteers as well, they were drafting in volunteers from you know, from everywhere, and and again, at huge numbers. Um, I myself um, volunteered um, just for a short time, and because and then things kind of, you know, my job became quite busy because we lost some of the team that we was working with because they were pulled into um, the COVID because I worked a lot with public health. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there was a lot around um, sort of loneliness and isolation. Um, and it's always a really tricky one, isn't it? It's, it's really difficult because we always want to reach out to those that are difficult to engage with. And how do we do that? You know, it, it, it becomes a really tough problem sometimes. And I think all we can keep doing is going into our communities. I think volunteers, I think it's just one of the most wonderful things that people can do. And I, and I sincerely mean that. But going out into the communities and keeping those um passive communication open um, is just helpful and then of course you've got the added problem where perhaps some people that are lonely and isolated don't have um, technology so again yeah. how do you get that message across um, how do you tell them where that they can go to for help support companionship um, so then we have to go to the next sort of the next level of putting information leaflets through the door, don't we? So I think it's doing as much as we can. East Riding did that. They they um they had a campaign um about sort of looking after your own mental health and wellbeing. And they've had really positive feedback, but that got posted through every door in the East Riding. So we need to do more of that as well. Yeah, that that sounds great that there was um 
putting that putting that into door to door sort of support and stuff like that. And and obviously the main thing in terms of loneliness is is obviously having that togetherness in terms of support and and stuff like that. And now obviously we're in a bit of a more of a position now where we're able to reintegrate, but it might be difficult obviously for people who have probably shielded or spent a lot of time on their own now and having to sort of go from seeing no one to seeing everyone and it can be quite a, a difficult sort of just going back sort of full circle and, and being used to interacting with people again. Is there is there many things out there now to support people sort of being able to reinter, reintegrate into society and communities? Um, to be honest, that's a question that I'm not really sure of. It's not something that I've been focusing on, on with my programme, yeah. but I'm sure from the amount of emails that we get from Public Health England and NHS England, there is so much going on that right now, to be honest, David, it is so difficult to keep on top of everything. So it hasn't really been the focus of the suicide prevention programme. And can I, I'm going to ask you a question in terms of COVID. Have you, have you been at work? Have you been, have you been at home working and how have you found it? I'll be honest, I've been working throughout the process. I've been working in a school. So for me, I've not had any um, time off. So for myself, it's been quite normal in terms of work. But obviously, when I've come home, it's different in terms of being, um, say, like, for instance, between that period in January and March, that was probably one of the more challenging times where I wasn't able to go to the gym. I couldn't go um, see my friends and and family again. It became really restricted. That was a period for me where... I'll be honest, was the most difficult and I, I lost a bit of motivation and, and sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's been a, a period where I found it difficult. But fortunately for me, I've been able to work throughout and it's not been such a, a hindrance as such. Because uh, I think it's been really challenging and I've certainly faced my own challenges um, on occasion of, of working from home with the subject matter that I cover and, you know, sort of five days a week, I do talk about suicide and suicide prevention um, and that can take its toll um, sometimes. And, and and just like you were saying, really, I didn't have those releases in March to uh, January to, to March. I've, I've been able to go to the gym um, and really felt demotivated sometimes. It's really hard, isn't it? Even, yeah. you know, even when you know everything that you should do, it's really yeah. hard to keep yourself going at times. And um, so what was it that kind of got you to carry through? You said that January, March was quite difficult. What did you have in place to help you? Um, so during January and March, I was part of two accountability groups. One was a gym-based group, which was um, a bunch of friends that we, like, their goal was to lose weight. Mine was to gain weight, which was a perfect time for me because obviously I was doing less exercise, so I achieved what I wanted to. And my other group was a basically part of Stay Humble, which was a support group with members of staff and general public, which I put together, basically sharing um, sort of a check-in every morning to see how people were feeling and a check-in on an evening. And I carried that through for a number of weeks and months to just up to the point where the first restriction kind of eased. And I was able to sort of check in and and see what people were feeling and and supporting them through their toughest days and, and, and trying to sort of use gratitude ideas in terms of the questions I asked and, and and sort of like what were your highs what were your lows what could you do better all them sort of stuff were things that I'd um, tried to implement on that yeah that sounds really good and I think accountability is really important isn't it um, yeah. and having those kind of groups where you are accountable even if it's for today you've got to go out for 10 minutes for a walk and then come back and let us know that you've been and done that I think that that accountability 
Um, I don't think we can underestimate how powerful that can be. Um, and certainly for me, I did a boot camp. In fact, I did it twice. In fact, I'm on it for the third time <laughs> um, because I like the accountability. Um, I've, I've not actually signed up to the boot camp this time, but I'm carrying on with the, the healthy eating um, and I'm at the gym in the morning as well. So um, I think accountability is, is a really good way, but just getting out there and getting in the fresh air, even when you don't feel like it, and that's where the accountability comes in, helps you mot- motivate you to do that. And you do feel better, don't you, and feel different. Yeah, I've, I'll be honest, like since the two weeks now um, that the gyms have been open, I've been able to get up at six o'clock every morning knowing that I've got somewhere to go to before work and have that sort of, that release and set me up for the day has been been a blessing and certainly seen the difference in myself in terms of how I feel. Um, and I'll let ter- you go with the next question. Sorry, I'll go. <laughs> so another one from the book, and I don't know your thoughts and statistics. So from the book, it suggests that, this is like the last question for the book as well, um, about depression and that 37% of it is inherited and that with severe anxiety, that's between 40 and 40%. Do you believe that it is inherited from family or in the sort of, from the parents? Um. I mean, there, there is situations where, you know, where people do, where there's family members do suffer with depression. Um, and, you know, or, and, and it can be sometimes, can't it, that, um, you know, if you've got a family member that's suffering with depression and, and they've got really bad depression and, and that's a long-standing depression, that, that can be quite difficult to live with. Um, and I guess for some people that may... Um, add to their, the, the way that they're feeling and their low mood and that it might be that they do become depressed after that um, but hereditary I'm, I'm not quite sure I'll leave that to the experts yeah I think I need to do a bit more research to find out a bit more on that one but um, in terms of support and and I've really dig this out of your LinkedIn if I'm honest in terms of what you share in your activity and your posts um, and I saw that you recently put a video um, together was it with Quell Counselling and that you provide free anonymous counselling. Can you just elaborate a bit more what that is? Yeah, so we've got this, um, it, as you said, it's called Quell, and it's an online mental health service. And it's for men, and it's for men in the Humber Coast and Vale area from the age of 18 upwards. And they can just go on to Quell, they just put some details in. Um, it can be anonymous if you want it to be. Um, and it has different components to it. So it has like almost like a community feel where you can you can go and you can be part of a community. You can share conversations um, and or it's got things like blogs and things where you might want to go and see how somebody else has dealt with the situation. And then it's also got the um, counselling service. And I think the counselling service, it runs from um, 12, 12 um, lunchtime to 10 p.m. on a night time. And then it's reduced hours on a on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, but we we did um, some focus groups with men from Humber Coast and Vale and said, would you find this beneficial? And they thought it was a really good way for, for men to enter. You, you don't have any cues. You don't have to go to the GP. I think for a counsellor that you're probably waiting 20 to 30 minutes before you, you get spoken to. Um, and they can signpost you on if they feel that you know you are in a, a real crisis and you need the secondary men- secondary mental health services. So it's just a really good way 
of um, men being able to go out there and just talk about their feelings, um, but also about understanding what they might be going through, because I don't think everybody understands what it might feel like to be anxious or what does it feel like to be depressed or what does it feel like to be alcohol dependent or you know whatever so as I use this word a bit like discombobulated if you're feeling a bit discombobulated and something's not right then go forward and 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 just speak to somebody and just try and work out what's happening for you I think every I Um, think people need to seek counseling like I've I've experienced counseling a few years back um just like I just felt like a lot of thing was was happening and and I think it was just I, I didn't do a lot of sessions in counseling but just the fact that I had someone to talk to that was someone I didn't know made a huge difference just to to be able to air it really and and and, and help me I think a lot of people just bottle that up instead of just letting that just letting it out to someone even like say it doesn't like you say anonymously is even a great way of doing that I think so and um I had quite a few debates with um with 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 a man actually who who felt that we we talked a lot about the anonymity but I just think that it just really helps you know we we all want people to just come forward and to be able to be honest about how they're feeling he made some really really good points but I just think that there's times in our life where actually if we can just go in there and just put a, a username in and get the help and support that we need, if, if that opens it up to men, then I think it's a really good thing. And and the men, I just found it a really, I found it extremely moving and powerful, the video. And whether that's because I know that quite a lot of the men on there um, and, you know, they're, they're people that have had real lived experiences. Um, I just found it really powerful and I just hope it encourages more men to use it we also have Cooth in our area as well, and that's for children and young people, and um, that's for, for males and females, um, and that's from um, that's up to eight twenty-five. Sorry, that's up to age twenty-five. So if you're a young person and you need help, that that is also available to you. But it comes under the word Cooth, and that's K O T H. And again, they just can go on. I've I've just signposted. Um, a young a young man to it just just this week and in interesting what you said um that there was somebody um a fairly fairly young person who um had expressed that actually um it was okay for for girls or women to go for counseling but not for not for men not for boys and I found that really uh, I, where does that come from where, where does that be at a really young age where does that come from? Because I'm fairly confident it didn't come from the family members. I, I'd say parents. I think it's a. Uh, if I'm honest with you, Joe, it's, it's always been like a dad thing, sort of like, sort of to just tell them just to like if like something's happened, oh well, just just sort of brush it off and and f- forget about it rather than like you know like say like when they're crying or something like oh boys don't cry that sort of that's the sort of attitude when really we should be saying yeah just like out sort of like that emotion out because that you have them feelings and I think they're the they're the things that I think it does cut it has in the past come from a, a father figure in terms of how they're brought up and then it passes on and that's how I think a lot of that stemmed from when really it should never have been like that. It should have always been open and honest and, and maybe fathers having them conversations with their sons or, you know, that sort of, if, I mean, that's difficult again, if their father's in their life, you know, there's them, them factors as well. So. 
do, do you get a feeling that that is generally because I'm, I'm assuming that you work with young people do you get a feeling that that's generally how boys feel about it I think it's getting better in schools I like in my setting there is a lot of an emotional learning support so there's a lot of talks about grief um dealing with all sorts of topics in terms of just like cultures and and other things and it's, it's become a lot more in the setting I work in I'm not saying that's the same across the board but I think there's there's a lot more pushing towards being more open and, and honest and having them conversations and, and I like to think that that's going to be going across the board it's not just a case of oh it's happening at primary school but a secondary it doesn't happen or further on I'm hoping that it's going to happen more elaborate I mean one thing does concern me and this is from a years ago was I was interested in looking and doing counseling and I was looking, doing it part-time. And one of the concerns was in the East Riding, I was told that there was only a couple of counselors to do it in the East Riding for all East Riding schools to do counseling for schools. And that worried me that there was just a couple across a huge number of schools for, for support. And that was maybe two, three years ago now. I don't know I if that's the same. No, yeah. I, I think things are really changing. So they're going to be having mental health support teams in schools. Yeah. Um, and I know that um, I, I, I'm not quite so sure about the East Riding, if I'm really honest, just because I haven't had that conversation with one, one of the other leads. But um, definitely um, Hull is starting that. And I know they've got it on the South Bank in, in North East Lincolnshire. That's already been set up. So um, that's really good. As my dad just jumps on the bed. <laughs> It's all right, don't worry. My yeah. dog's made an appearance on uh, radio before, don't worry. <laughs> I was on the Bainsey show the other week and she started barking. Somebody had come and done a delivery and she doesn't bark very often. But you, you could, I was just, oh. Yeah. I went a bit red. I didn't know what to do. He was really cool about it, actually. Um, but I thought, yeah. I, she just sits back by me all day like this. So she's oh. really good normally, but she just had this <laughs> frenzy of barking while I was on the Bainsey show. Oh, it, went, it went great. <laughs> And um, in terms of like that video, has the um, there's another um, link I wanted to talk about, and it's something I've I've done as well as the training in terms of the talksuicide.co.uk, and I think this is something that everyone should be given 20, 30 minutes to just you know that is all it takes to to complete, but it could help someone deal with a situation where they might have to talk someone out of that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to talk about that. Did you say that you completed the training? Yeah, I did it during two weeks ago, I think it was. Yeah, I've done it. So. I ask you what you thought what, what what did you think of it and what was your what was your biggest uh, what was the thing that you came away with? Um just knowing that you can you can help people in that situation and, and just to just to think about like just them them sort of um just the right way of of, of going about it really. I think it is absolutely fantastic training and I think what one thing that it really does do is dispel that myth about um, talking about suicide so by talking about suicide you're not going to encourage somebody to um, start thinking about it and take their own you know take their own life which is one of the biggest myths that we we have out there really and um, I think it goes through various stages doesn't it? it goes through different scenarios that you can look at and so maybe perhaps one of those you can relate to but it looks it helps you look at different behaviors that people might be betraying um, and you know so you might now think oh 
my mate who I've just been to the gym with, he, he just wasn't himself tonight. There was just something different about him. Um, he's, and actually now I'm putting the jigsaw together. He's been a bit quiet over the last couple of weeks. He feels that he seems a bit withdrawn. I'm going to have a conversation with him. And, you know, that doesn't mean to say that you're going to launch straight into are you suicidal? But it's about being able to um, approach it, isn't it, in, in, a, in a very sort of sensitive way and to be able to listen to them. But yeah. then to talk about suicide, to speak openly about it. And I, I, I'm with you, David. I think if everybody over 16 could take that training, the amount of people, um, we can't underestimate the amount of people that have said that it's really helpful. And even those that have perhaps lost somebody to suicide and um, that have taken the training and come back and said, I wish I'd have seen this before because I might I might have been able to do something different. Sometimes we just don't ever see the signs, so I'm not putting that out as a you know um, that they could have changed it. But that's what they say to me is that perhaps something different could have been come out of that. And I think it just opens up that conversation really of of, of talking about suicide in an open and honest way, because the relief that people often feel when you talk about it can be quite immense. Um, and it must feel so scary to people. I forget sometimes that I've worked in mental health for such a long time, but it can be just having a conversation. And if somebody told you the problems without saying the word suicide, you were probably willing to sit there and listen to it, wouldn't you? And to, to support them and say, OK, we can get through this. It's just the same with suicide as well. And that's entered into the conversation. Um, you know, and there's, you know, it might be that you have to get in touch with the emergency services, but it might be that you just need to sit there and listen and have a coffee and just have an hour, two hours with that individual. So, yeah, please take the training. Yeah, and no, I will be putting them in. I'll, like I say, I'll be definitely putting, obviously, that in the podcast notes and obviously the link to the video as well for the counselling. I'll be certainly putting them across. And one thing, this is kind of something I actually heard today, strangely enough, but um, in terms of men, that seems to have lower testosterone leads to depression. I just wondered if you, in terms of programs for men, do you, and one of the things that I've heard is advice to help men during depression is to go lift weights. And I wondered <laughs> if there's any sort of programs or encouragement in terms to, to encourage that sort of thing, because obviously going from lifting weights, then that can obviously lead to setting goals and then being able to achieve things by obviously using that sort of, changing the mindset in terms of the depression, having a goal, lifting weights, obviously changing their body, then it makes them think that, actually, what else can I do with my goals? Can I go in terms of a job? Can I get a house? Can I do this? You know, all these sort of things could potentially happen if we have the right things in pro- like in place. Yeah, um, great question. Um, great advice. And I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot one second yeah. again. David, I think you should come and join our men's task and finish group. I think you should become um, be involved in that. So I, I'm going to call you out and say, <laughs> would you come become a member of our task and finish group? We meet once a month, um, but we look at all these kind of things. So have a think about it and get back to me. Yeah, oh, definitely have a look at that. Um, so in terms of programmes, yes, there's lots of programmes out there. Um, we have been working with um, Hull FC, Hull City of Boxing, um, working with Grimsby Town, working with York Knights, work with York Mentalness. Um, I'm just in discussions now with Hull KR, um, Hull, Hull City. 
So all of the programs that they've got um, about engaging with men in, in sport and in an activity, but also having that time at the end to be able to talk as well. So it'll be um, a lot of these groups that we're, we're, um, we're kind of commissioning will be around centered around an activity, whatever that might be. Like there's men in sheds as well. So there's all different forms and we're trying to really get them out there right across from Kirsten Vale. So you go do an activity, but at the end, you have some talking time. You've got time to have a coffee and you've just got time to have to raise any kind of concerns that you might have and to learn a little bit more about mental health and well-being. So, yes, we've got several programmes um, that span the Humber Coast and Vale um, that we've commissioned um, from our programme to deliver that. That's awesome to hear, like, so many community clubs and, and sort of professional outfits wanting to support in terms of, you know, with men and stuff like that. As, do you feel, obviously, the 12 months since with COVID and obviously it's shined a light on how important health is, that's obviously pushed that forward in terms of people realising now, right, I need to do something with my life, I've been too sedentary? Um, yeah, I think it probably has because we were talking about this. I, I was actually interviewed yesterday with um, Mike Smith and Gary Sente from Hull KR and we talked about that and I don't know whether you've noticed but certainly I've noticed a lot more people being active because we we didn't have anything else to do, did we? So the people out there on the streets um, that have taken up running, that have taken up cycling, that have taken up walking, I've, I've been, I think they've been, it's been massive. Um, so I think, you know, that the last 12 months, I hope it continues. Um, and I think a lot of gyms have put things on, haven't they, for people? So we've been able to do boot camps. We've been able to do exercise at home. There was Joe Wicks. How inspiring was he? He got whole families, you know, working out in the home. So I think, I think hopefully for a lot of people that will continue. But I think it has inspired a lot of people to, to get motivated and get Get, yeah. get active again. I was going to say there should be people queuing out the door for running clubs. The amount of people I see running down my down from my street, obviously at East Hill running. So I'm not surprised. Obviously, everyone seems to have really took to to this sort of outdoor exercise since that. Um, and I also Can wanted I? to con- I also wanted to um, congratulate you as well in terms of receiving the High Sheriff Award for Work Towards Suicide Prevention. How did you feel upon receiving this award? Thank you very much. Um, I, I felt really proud, if I'm honest, and um, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's not. It's not just me. Um, there's there's a lot of people that work with us. Um, you know, we've got Carol Lavelle, who's um, somebody with lived experiences, who, who's our chairperson, um, and uh, how I work closely with public health leads, with acute trust, with mental health organisations, with the police. With it, and the voluntary sector have just been amazing and the grassroots. So I um, felt really proud that the work had been recognised. And I suppose the real the, the real pride in it was actually because they've seen the work. It's, it's getting out there now that the people are talking about it a little bit more. It's taken us two years. But the fact that people are talking about it was how we came to get the award. So that, that can only be a good thing, can't it? Yeah, it can. And like I say, congratulations on that. And I've just got a couple of final questions for you. Um, and the first one is, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? Wow. Okay. So for me, being a human is, um, do you mean it in terms of like being, being kind, 
those kind of things? Is that what you're what you're asking me? What 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 do I like? Do I like about humans? Um, yeah, it's I I can I I think. So my example of being human is about being a social animal. So it's from Ariostle, so that we need each other. We must be there for each other. We must take care of each other. To pretend otherwise is to violate our nature, to be more or less than what it means to be a human being. Exactly that. That was put beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a really good way of, of saying what a human is. And I think as humans... We really need to be more thoughtful about the way that we interact with other humans um, and really believe in this kindness because, you know, people flip this kindness around, but actually can be very unkind in the next sentence. So for me, being human, being compassionate, being empathic um, and and being kind to our fellow, treat our fellow humans in the way that we want to be treated, I think is something that was driven into me as a youngster and it's something that I stand by and, and still really believe in now. Yeah, that certainly has come to light a lot more. Obviously, in the last sort of 12 months was that sort of message, unfortunately, um, in terms of, of a celebrity death and, and stuff. So I think being kind is certainly something that we should we should always be towards each other. And finally, I'd like to ask is what does it make, what makes you stay humble? <sighs> Oh gosh, I'm just so thankful for so many things. And um, in terms of my role, every day I go out there and I meet people that are genuine um, and want to give. You know, it doesn't matter what they've been through. It may they these may be the people that have actually lost somebody to suicide or in in really difficult circumstances, and all they want to do is give. And I have never I've worked for you know health and social care for. 34 years now but this last two years I think as just I don't know I just feel pride I feel humble to be amongst people that just want to give all the time and 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 to make things right for other people that's that's the bit that makes me feel humble I think that I think you're doing a great job and I'm sure that you'll continue to do that Joe and I just want to thank you for giving me your time on a Friday um, to record this um, at the end of a work day um, and I just hope that this sort of podcast helps people in terms of it, it'll help someone who might be struggling right now it might help someone um, accrue new ideas in terms of like the resources we've, we've, we've shared and stuff like that so I'd like to just thank you for giving me your time and, and obviously um where can people look at anything that um, they need to sort of look up for in terms of Humber prevention, like so the prevention websites or? Yep, so there's, um, they can go to www.talksuicide.co.uk and on there we actually have a geo map. So again, it covers the Humber Coast and Vale area, but there's all sorts of different services that people can um, tap into. So if you just put where you're from, so if you're from Hull, and um, there'll be a different and um, there's uh, there's lots of different services and we're building that every day so if people have a service that we don't know about give us a shout too and david can i thank you as well for all the work that you're doing no problem thank you for giving me your time so thank you for staying humble joe <laughs>